You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. The Celtics have won seven out of their last 10, three in a row, three different ways. Mikey has ants. And you're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast. I'm Jim Quigley, co-host with my brother, Michael Quigley. Um, it's been a little over a week um, because of busy lives. Hopefully, as uh, the Celtics continue to play well, we can um, pump out more of these podcasts. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you go in a minute. I'm just kind of encouraged that, you know, these are three different. We ended last pod by saying that um, we wanted to see the Celtics finish games. We want to see them make shots in the fourth. We wanted to see them complete comebacks. Um, something they haven't done all year and kind yeah. of went in different fashions. So they three games in a row that they won. Um, the Knicks was kind of a grinded out game with minus Kemba and what, without Fournier, who they're still without. I want to hit on that more later. Yeah. And you go into the Timberwolves down 16, um, come back, let them back in, but finish the game. And then obviously uh, the game against Denver, we could, we want to spend a lot of time on, but most impressive win of the year. And again, just never really quit, even when they went down 14, continue to play um, good style of basketball on offense and grind as best they could on defense, and it ended with good things. So, um, Mike, I'll hand it over to you, uh, you know, and we can spend some time hopefully on this Denver game. Yeah, I mean, they ended the Denver game on a 40-8 to eight run. Um, when's the last time we saw that from the Celtics team? It's been, it's been a while. It's, I mean, they they got to the point where Denver quit. I mean, there there was a uh, yeah. timeout called where um, Denver center was just sitting by himself on the bench while the rest no of the team was out there without with Coach Malone. Um, so Celtics definitely put a number to him. And it's funny sometimes you know teams just have the other team's number, um, and I feel like this year the Celtics have the Clippers and Nuggets number, <laughs> and then struggle against teams like the Hawks and Sacramento. It's just in like the Pistons. This is interesting how that happens in the NBA, but it was some impressive wins. I, I think for me, the Denver win was all obviously really impressive. Um, I think part of it was Denver was a little off when the Celtics went on that run, so that helped. Um, they just couldn't hit some shots. I, I was almost more impressed with the Knicks win just because it was a close game and it was tight, and you were almost just waiting for the Celtics to blow it. Um, because they have so many times this year. And it was nice to see Smart in that Knicks game hit some big threes. Um, and then over these last 10, just looking at the way Jason Tatum has played, uh, he's certainly yeah, over his really COVID, COVID symptoms. Yeah. And um, he's locked in. I mean, he's really locked in. I mean, obviously the 50-point effort against uh, Minnesota, he just couldn't miss. But beyond the points... Um, He's locked in defensively, especially on the defensive glass. People aren't talking about that enough. Uh, he's ending possessions for other teams. Yeah, no, he, he's he's putting together double doubles. Um, yeah. you know something he wasn't doing earlier in the year, uh, and it, it's really. Um, and he's looking for people. I, yeah. I forget what game it was, but he 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 had the ball at, like his hip with his left hand, and he just took it and he flung it. Um, over to the corner, and I forget who hit the three. It was a, such a good pass. It reminded me of something you see from, like, James Harden. Um, and I was just thinking after that play, like, he's really locked in. 
he's locked into everything. Like he's not just scoring. He's passing, he's defending, he's rebounding. Um, and maybe, you know, it's so cliche, but maybe he's taking another step in front of us right now. Um, yeah, well, I, I think yeah. he's leveling up his play. And, yeah. you know, so this is what really puts the Celtics last season. And I, and I thought, you know, before the Haywood injury, they were playing the best basketball that they maybe had played under Brad Stevens down in the bubble there. They were just really rolling going into those playoffs. Um, those last three, four games, and, and and Tatum was playing at this this high level, like he was in the middle of last year too. And and we talk about, you know, for this team to get to the high watermark, whatever that is, Tatum the number one key is Tatum's got to level up, and he's got to play, um, you know, that All NBA level like he was last year, that he hasn't been for most of this year, and since the All Star break. I, it's a great point by you. That's that's been happening, yeah. um, and the rebounding. You know, he he had I think four double doubles through the first fifty or so games, and he's had four since the fiftieth game or something along, along those lines. Yeah, it's not that. just the double doubles. I feel like he's getting key rebounds and key yeah. moments. He's being physical, and the way he's yeah. going to the hoop is is really changing the game. I just look at his free throw numbers; they're going way up over these last three. He's um. And, and I thought in the Knicks game, if guys just hit their shots, he would have had a triple-double. I mean, he was really facilitating yeah, the ball very, very well. Yeah, um, he was struggling. You know, and, and you made the point that you thought the Knicks game was more impressive. I thought it was more important. I, I thought the Nuggets game was more impressive. Uh, you know, to go out west uh, a day game on a Sunday to shoot like they were shooting so poorly and to stay – um, within the game plan, to continue to attack, um, to make a you know defensive assignment switch in the middle of the game where they went to you know, about middle of the third quarter they just switched everything on Denver and it really confounded them. Um, they you saw a lot more Grant and Smart on Jokic and, and they struggled with you know not knowing who was coming after them and those switches yeah. really bothered Denver a ton and took them out of their actions and it, it changed the course of the game. You know, so yeah, I never played Jamichael Green way too much. And you're you, you and you're right. They, they they Denver shot like crap as well, and they're coming off a long eight game winning streak and seventeen out of twenty. And good teams have games like they had in that fourth quarter. It's a long NBA season, but the Celtics haven't had many moments like that. No, and, and that was needed. And I'm not sure they do that. Unless they get that Knicks win, unless they fall off that Knicks win with that Timberwolves comeback, where you know for three and a half quarters they were dog crap against those yeah. guys. Oh, 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 three quarters. Then they blew the say. lead at three the end quarters. of the game. Yeah, but they're they're showing some toughness, and the and the key component here you hit on it is is Tatum's game leveling up, and him playing at that All NBA level, um, top ten, top fifteen type player. And that's what he's been since the All-Star break, and it's just been getting better and better. Um, that fourth quarter against Dumbo was fantastic. Just fantastic. And, and the mm-hmm. next game was so important because the, the Sixers game was just so disheartening. Um, it, they were just dominated from the jump. Rob yeah. was in foul trouble from the moment the game yep. started. Embiid uh, didn't even look like he was trying. It looked like the easiest 30 points he ever had in his career. Um 
Philly's D is outstanding. Yeah, yeah they really the just Celtics a lot. And then you, you go. Yeah, I mean, there was next. a lot of uh, there was a lot of times in that game where the Celtics moved the ball well, and it, towards the end they got out of it. I think out of feel pure frustration, mm-hmm. but and they thought they'd be open, and Philly closes like it's so quick. You you do everything you write, and against other NBA teams, those are good shots. And Philly, um, their length. And the athleticism on defense just—it was really impressive. I, I thought, I thought they a, were really I think impressive. Philly has a legit shot to win the, the NBA the NBA title this year because of that. Yeah. And just on offense, know. Philly just runs the clock down and just. Wears yeah, I don't it. think that's good enough in the playoffs. I, uh, I I I think you need a go-to scorer. I don't think you can run the clock down, and I think you need a guy that can beat teams off the dribble and, and finish um, with the jump shot. Yeah, and, I guess and, my and, argument, my argument to that, we don't have to get into this too much because the Celtics yeah. podcast. My my argument to that is you don't see it, um, so you're not prepared for what Philly brings you. And the second part of it is it has won before with the, the Larry Brown Pistons. Oh, that's yeah, but that's not this in the NBA. This is a much different NBA. That's a long time ago. I I, I just. We can talk about it in another podcast. Uh, they don't ha- have a guy that can beat you when when it matters and. and to say you don't see it, the teams are going to be prepared for them offensively. There's nothing much to prepare for. Well, well, Embiid can beat you. Well, let's see it in the playoffs. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you can win with just a big man in the playoffs. I, I, we'll see. I, I don't yeah. think you can. It's not just a big man, though. The best defensive team in the NBA. I don't even think it's close. Defenses get really, really good in the playoffs, and and that margin gets closer. You need, and that's why it's so they're going to face very, very good defenses, and they're going to play really, really good defense. You need individual scores. What you need, Eastern you need Conference isolation team, players in the playoffs. outside of Milwaukee? What Eastern Conference team is a really good defensive team that they're going to face? There isn't one. The Hawks well, Miami, Miami will be really good defensively in the playoffs. They, they will be really, really solid defensively in the playoffs. They always uh, um, and Brooklyn will be good enough. They'll be good enough defensively by then. They, they, they might not be as good as Philly, but they don't have to be as good as Philly defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, Milwaukee, Milwaukee certainly can be just as good as Philly defensively or close, and they're much better offensively, in my opinion. Yeah, you know. But I, that said, I think the margin between Philly and Boston is pretty wide. And that's why the second game against the Knicks was so impressive because yeah. he went into the second night of a back-to-back now without Kemba because he played against Philly. And you're playing another very slow-it-down, physical defensive team that beat you by 31 earlier in the season just by out. Out hustle, just outworking you the first time you played, and yeah. New York showed up to play. New York's not a very talented team, but they're well coached and they showed up on that second night of the back to back. And they, for many moments in that game, I thought the the Celtics were going to lose. Uh, I just thought it was a grinded out, tough effort by the Celtics, and it was a very important win, so they could just show themselves we can win a game like this. Yeah, it, it was important. It was important to get over that hump and win a game like that. I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I thought talent won out at the end. 
Um, you know, I, I, I just thought the Celtics had just a little bit more than the, the Knicks had in that game. You know, I know they were still without Kemba and Fortier, but I still thought they had a little bit more. I think Langford's addition in that game, Tristan Thompson's addition, was both very helpful. Um, And and you're seeing what that extended bench has done for this team. I mean, this is Thompson against Philly. They could have, but you know, you now you go back. I kind of look at it as if you're going to pick one of the two games, they pick the right game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, it's. I don't think Thompson's impacting Embiid that much anymore. (laughs) Maybe he does. I just don't think he does. Um, It's been an impressive stretch for these guys um you know they're finally getting healthy they're finally having some court continuity the rotations for brad are a lot easier you know it's you go into thompson langford um grant williams and Peyton pritchett off the bench right now for that's that's pretty much a rotation i know he went to semi a little bit against denver but i think that's just trying to find someone that could hit a three well, they were trying game. to find someone who could score. The bench just could not score. Yeah. Really three games. Yeah. Uh, they're playing hard defensively, but they miss Fournier right now. Uh, oh, sure. Points off the bench. And yeah. That's what makes what Kemba, what um, Tatum and Brown have been doing even more impressive because they've been carrying the load. Um, they're not getting much help from from the bench at all. Um, it's, it's really – at one point in the yeah. Denver game – I, I believe Brown, Smart, and Tatum, and Kemba was right behind them. All had between like twelve and sixteen points at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's else. there's no help, and they yeah. really didn't get anything out of the center position either. It wasn't Rob? Rob's actually since the last podcast, he really hasn't played a good game. Um, yeah, he's been up and down. I mean, yeah. I don't blame him for the Embiid game, but um, yeah, and Carl Anthony Towns is no picnic, and Jokic is no picnic. I mean, you're going against three great centers in a row. It certainly was. Um, but you would have liked to have seen a little bit better. Um, you know, those missed dunks were disappointing because they all resulted in three. It resulted in layups the other way. Um, and Aaron's Noel and the fouls have been Celtics tough defensively. What's that? Noel played well against the Celtics, too, on the yeah. defensive end for the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, look, I, I think things are – their offense has been humming for a while. Um, it has. Yeah. Even in the games they've lost since the All-Star break, they've been moving the ball pretty well. They've been getting a lot of paint touches. You know, people lose their minds because they shoot more threes. They weren't shooting enough threes before the All-Star break because they just didn't have enough guys open ever. Yeah. And now guys are finally getting open and they're getting more three-point opportunities, which is a good thing. But the you nice know, thing about the Denver game is that they just put their head down and went. They just yeah. kept going to the hoop and kept attacking and kept attacking. You saw that in the Timberwolves' comeback, too. They just decided, we're going to go to the hoop. Um, and it really just changed the outcome in both games. Yeah, it, it did. And they, Well, that's what happens when you move the ball. You, lanes open up, shots open up. They, they've, been, they've been getting good offensive opportunities for a while now. When 48 comes back, it's just going to be better. Yeah. Um, you know, and... The defense is still a work in progress against Denver. I thought it was um, from about midway through the third quarter to the end of the game. It's probably the best effort they've had in a long, long time, you could say, against the Knicks. But the Knicks are so limited offensively that it's tough to tell. Um, But they really, you know, 
out of the teams that are battling for this four spot, they're the best talent wise. Um, you know, even that depth is a little bit better now, especially when Fournier comes back. The rotation, it isn't, Brad doesn't have to guess. Yeah. You know, who's he going to sub in? Because I, I don't know what I'm going to get from. He, he was really guessing from three through 10 for most of the season on who he was going to get production from, which is really unbelievable. I mean, we're not even talking about six through 10 on his roster. He was guessing three through 10 every night on who could play and play well. He had no idea. And now there's some consistency. There, there's, um, there's a hierarchy of minutes, you know, in that second half against Denver. Pritchett wasn't a good match, so he just didn't play him. Went mm. a little bit bigger, and, and he got he got more production. I I, um, I think we'll see more mix and match. I don't think they'll go three and all on this trip, but I'm not ruling it out at this point either. I, I, Portland should be favored to win. Um, Portland should beat the Celtics, but I, I would not be shocked. Yeah, here's, here's the thing about the Denver. doesn't really match up with the Celtics defensively. I, I mean, it's, who do they match up with defensively? The only way Portland beats the Celtics is in the shootout, which could very much I and mean, very well happen, because the Celtics have a yeah. tough time matching up with with Portland, especially Portland's ability to attack the the offensive glass. But and well, it can just go off at any point, no matter how good your D is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and it's a tough I mean, they got they got a deep offensive team, but I feel like if you if you keep it's it, it, to me, I feel like it, just last night I forget who Portland was playing, but Cantor was held to Miami, eight and uh, their starting center was held to eight rebounds, and, and it, it it was a difference in the game. Miami just kept them off the offensive glass. It's when you allow Cantor to get those second and third opportunities where they just kick it out to these gods and they just kill you. Yeah. And the, the other way to just finish Cantor is just put him in pick and roll every time. If he's in the game, you just go to pick and roll every single time because the guy's but like, he Portland just goes plays, into a spin cycle. He, he has I think no Portland idea. Portland plays a lot of zone defense when he's in the game. Yeah, they could do that. They uh, he, and they'll definitely do that against the Celtics. Just seeing how the Celtics have done against the zone this year. Yeah. Oh, that, that isn't a sign of a of a team that gets stops. If they they're going, um, they don't get stops. No, <laughs> they don't. They're not known for that. And obviously, the Lakers are without, you know, their star players. I feel like you got to go into LA and win that game. Yeah. yeah. After, and this is the thing I wanted to bring up on tonight's podcast is I'm. I think we're at the point. I know Coach Stevens says he doesn't pay attention to it. You got to start paying attention to the standings and who people are playing. Atlanta's schedule is really easy right now. They're winning games. Um, you got two games against Miami, and you already won one. And the good thing about the two games with Miami is they're back-to-back, so I feel like you're going to win the season series against the Heat. Yeah. You really got to get hot yeah. so you can overtake Atlanta because you don't want to go to Miami. You don't want to be on the road in Atlanta in the playoffs. I'm not as concerned about being on the road in Atlanta um, as I would be Miami. I, I, you're right. You'd rather be home, but you're not going to have a solo crowd. Um, Are you sure about that? I, I feel pretty sure about it. They don't. Very, I mean, they're we're talking first round, south, like not really smart states that are probably going to. Your numbers are still high. First rounds in about a month and a half. I, I, I just don't see full fledged indoor stadiums 
being packed. I, I'd be stunned. Um, I, I guess anything's possible. It is Georgia. But uh, he, I, I, I'll just say this. I, that's not a team that I would be petrified going. I think it's important to be in the 4-5. And it's important to be at home. But I think it's more important to be in that 4-5 round one way or the other um, to avoid. So that way you can get a hopefully a round win of the playoffs. The second round, I, 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 it's going to be so tough for the Celtics to get out of, no matter how well they're playing and what's going on. Um, but to get that four or five, it gives you a real shot. And they'd be the more talented team. Whether they're at home or not, they will be the more talented team against. It's so bad on the road. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I, hey, I, they're only game out. They can, they can catch them or game and a half out. They, I mean, they're right they just there. They need they a can. winning streak. That's what they need. They need a yeah. full Well, this is why I wanted to – that Denver game is, is interesting to me because that's the type of game – and it's to me, it's the most impressive one. Going out west, 1 o'clock game, hottest team in the NBA, the MVP of the league, all those things, and you're down 14 or 16 or whatever it is, and those are games you just haven't won. And then and they finally did it. So is that going to be a galvanizing moment where we look back and we circle that game and we say this is where they – Ran off ten or thirteen, and this so. is where is this is where it started, you know. And um, this is where they, from this point to the end of the year, they they just play good basketball, mm-hmm. and, and you know the Portland game will be telling in that instance. You know, Portland is going to make a run in that game. They're going to go up at some point by close to double digits because that's what they do in the Rose Garden. So. Do the Celtics do what they used to do? Do they start going into isolation and, and taking contested shots? Or do they do what they did against Denver? And they're patient with the basketball, and they wait into the shot clock, and they continue to move it because they know eventually they're going to get into the hands of a talented player that can make a play yeah. and, uh, against a good matchup. And this, I, I could understand at the beginning of the year some of the isolation. Because Tatum and Brown had to look at their teammates and say, what the hell? You know, like, you want me to move the ball to a guy who doesn't even know where he's going on offense, isn't making the cut? You know, I'm driving in isolation. He's not dropping to the corner. He's just staying, foul line extended. But that isn't the case anymore. You, you, you got guys that know what they're doing that are above average NBA players, not great NBA players, but they're not replacement level either that are surrounded with, they should be able to overcome things like they did in Denver. Now, they may not win, mm-hmm. but they should be able to play good basketball. And I, I hope this Denver game is kind of um, the point that we look back on and say, wow, okay, this is where it got fun. You know, this is – and my expectations are what they are. They're, they're – I think this team can get, if they get in the four or five round, they can win a round and they can have a competitive second round. And then I think it's good night, Irene. I just think that's, I think that's who this team is. And I'm okay with that. Um, I'm not okay with Danny building the roster because that's what it is, but I'm okay with if that's how the roster performs um, because that's their talent level. I I just, I, I want to see them max it out. I want to see them maximize the effort and get as far as they can um, because I think that every step along the journey is good for Brown and Tatum. 
in showing that winning that is important and that we're going to build something here only helps in the long term. I agree. Yeah, so we'll see. This um, They play Portland tomorrow night. Uh, they end the West Coast trip this week, and then they, they return home to play, what, Phoenix? So. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked that far. I'm just looking at this Port- Portland-LA kind of two-game trip here. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping they win both, but at the very least one out of two and go two and one at worst on this road trip now. You, you just won the toughest game that was left on your schedule. By by all accounts, that was the toughest. They still got you, Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, they may still have Brooklyn. So you're yeah. right. Yeah, so it was it, okay. Well, whatever. It's one of the top three toughest games that was left on your schedule. Mm-hmm. You, you got to finish the strip strong. Yeah, you have yeah. to. Um, can we spend a minute just quickly um, the Fournier trade? Um, because I know we're kind of talking things being rosy for the Celtics. The risk of trading for a guy with one year left on his what this his contract expiring at the end of the year is that if you have an injury or COVID nineteen that you might only get him for fifteen games, eighteen games, and then the playoffs. And, and now we're in that situation. And I'm not mad at Fournier; it is what it is. But if they don't resign him, this is going to be a waste of an asset. And maybe well, there was no, nothing he, they could have done, although I think Aaron, they could have obtained Aaron Gordon if they put in the requisite, the, the right pieces around the deal. But they, if they don't resign Fournier, this could be one that we circle that a season or two from now of just another domino that fell that led to the departure of one of their really good players. And it's, I think we have to really, this offseason is, is incredibly interesting to me from this regard. We just got rid of Daniel Tice because we didn't want to pay into the tax. Exactly. So to me, it's, is it the Imagine repeater? if Daniel Tice was here the other night against Philly when Robert Williams got in foul trouble. Yeah. Well, they still would have lost, but maybe it was by six instead of 10. <laughs> but, but here's my point, though. Is it because you didn't want to pay the repeat tax because you know you're going to go over next year and you're willing to sign Fournier? You're going over no matter what. So is it just a repeat tax or is it you don't want to spend too much? And the the signal on that's going to be, is Fournier, are they going to resign him no matter what? Or is it dependent on them getting rid of Smart's contract or Walker's contract? Is it is it like is it is it an either or or is it are they can you do them both? You, you, it's I I think it's an either or. I, I do not think they're resigning forty-eight. I don't think they'll put in the effort to match unless they think they can get rid of one of those contracts. Um, so cheap. Yeah. So in in my criticism. Your criticism has been solely focused on age, and rightfully so. No matter what, if this if there's a, a budget in place by Wick, he deserves it. But this, at some point, we really got to take a long look at Wick and his role in this. Because if you go cheap, 
you are really risking. If you're not willing to pay into this tax, because this is the way you built this roster, and you're not willing to pay in the repeater tax in years two or three from now, and I know that's expensive as hell, and it's easy for me to say it's not my money, but the, the, but the Minnesota Timberwolves just signed for a billion and a half dollars, so the, the worth of this franchise is going to be through the roof. Yeah, if, exactly. they don't, if they don't do that, they're risking losing Brown or Tatum or both because they're not building the best team they can around them. And you'll never win a championship. Nope. So I, I just – and look, maybe they get lucky doing it the other way and they're able to make a great trade from Walker and they keep Fournier and, and you know, happen. what does happen? There is no great trade for Walker. That's not going to happen. You know what I mean. Yeah. I, I just – this offseason is interesting to me. Do they re-sign Fournier if they can't unload Walker? To me, that's that's the and Walker's what thirty three million. That's a thirty three million dollar question. Mm-hmm. And if they do, if the answer is no, I think it tells you um, a lot about the restrictions Danny has on building this team, and it's essentially building it through the draft and bargain basement free agents. We'll see. Yep. So, and that's where, if the lad is true and there is a limit on how much they can spend, then this trade was really stupid. Yeah. Yeah, because this gave up, I mean, not really assets, I guess. You only gave up second round picks, but I do think the trade exception was one of the best assets they had. Right. I thought they were limited in assets. Mm hmm. I mean, even if it's a guy with two years of eleven million dollars who's just an average, above average starter, at least yeah. you have him under your control and he's a tradable player you can move on to somebody else with. Maybe yeah. you can move him for draft picks. Yeah. I I just and importing is gonna be expensive. The the way the market works in the NBA, wing players on the second and third contracts get paid. They get yeah. paid. And he's going to get at least 17. And if we're thinking at least 17, it usually means more. Because we thought in, in, in Haywood's case, what, 23, 24? We thought in Horford's case, maybe 20? Yeah. And look at what they got. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are worth that money either. No. No, of course not. Yeah. But that's free agency. No one gets paid what they Worth. They get overpaid. That's free agency. You get overpaid unless you are the an absolute max player like a Kevin Durant. That's completely worth every dime. Everyone else gets overpaid, and that's a risk you take with these type of trades. You have to overpay him if you want to keep him. Yeah. You're not getting a deal. Oh, so, okay. Enjoy this season. <laughs> that's why yeah. I want them to max out as much as possible. Because I'm afraid this offseason is going to be incredibly disappointing. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. It, all, it really depends on if he's willing to spend the money or not. Uh, I just, yeah, you might be right. Um, I'll say this. I'll say this too. If it's just the repeat attacks to get rid of Daniel Tice, because you know you're going to be paying into it for the years to come, and you're going to resign Fournier, and you're willing to bite that bullet, I get it. I get it. You don't want to pay that repeat of tax. Trade Daniel Tice. 
I, I, I wish it didn't, but I can I can understand that and I can live with that. Playing well right if, now, too. What's that? Vice is playing well. Yeah, I, I can live with that, but if it's the former, it's a it, the, the roster building here is going to, it's already difficult. It's going to be good, almost next to impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there will be a lot of things discussed this offseason. You're already hearing, you know, um, you're already hearing rumors about Coach Stevens, too. So I, let's just enjoy this season and see where it goes because I, I do think there could be some some disappointments in roster construction next year, but also some changes as well. I'm not sold that he's going to be here next year. And I don't think it's because he's going to get fired. I, I think he probably, he's not leaving for a college job. I don't know if it's that either. I just, um, you don't leave the NBA for college. It's, it's such a huge step. Unless down. you're Rick Pitino and John Calabar. Yeah. Because the NBA didn't work. I mean, well, Larry Brown, but he's it's a actually person. It, it, it's easier to coach in the NBA um, in no, terms of the lifestyle, in terms of the lifestyle, because okay. you don't have to recruit. You, you're not managing everything within your program. You're not making the moves. So GM's doing it for you. You have off seasons. You can vacation. You have a lot more money, a lot more leeway. You're not. You don't have the NCAA restrictions and things like that. It's just a better lifestyle, and, and you know, and, and it's all of a sudden you raised up a level. You're going to step down. Nobody does that. If he was going to do that, he would have left for Indiana. He's not leaving for college. Yeah. You know, and the Celtics yeah, aren't going to give him away. So it would either be the Celtics fire him because he's he's not going to leave for college. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for the rest of the year. I think we should keep an eye on it. Um, just because of the way things ended against Miami last year in a series that they probably should have won. And then just with the lapses of effort this year and being locked into games. I mean, even in Minnesota, we saw it um, with the with the Tatum 50-point game. I think just to keep an eye on it. Um, I I think he's a great coach, but sometimes it runs it runs its course. Yeah, I I understand everything you're saying. I, I just don't. Unless I'm wrong about the college angle, I don't see him going anywhere. They they just resigned the five, if six, if if, if I a contract fit, for life. Yeah, if I'm if I if I'm right right about Wick, he's not going to fire. Him. He's not going to eat that money. He's not going to eat that money. Yeah. And if you fire him, you, you're eating that money. Stevens gets all of it. It's guaranteed. Are you? Do you think he's the right coach for this team? I think at least until they're a championship contender. Yeah. Until they're a championship contender. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe at that point you got to reconsider it. I, I think, um, I think this year you got to look at it as the exception. There's just too many variables with COVID and the and everything. The way things have kind of gone. Um, every other season, with the exception of. 2019, the Celtics have played above the, their their uh, talent level, um, and I think if you're trying to max out Tatum and Brown, 
and you, you, you're trying to get them to buy into a culture and understand, at least let him get to you to the point to where you're a championship contender. And then if he can't get you over that hump, you got to move on from him. Um, but I think he can get you to that point being a championship contender. And I, he was getting him there until Danny screwed up the roster. <laughs> I, think, I think they were damn close last year. I think if Haywood doesn't get hurt, um, the way they were playing going into the playoffs, I, they get by Miami. Yeah. They, a healthy I, Gordon Haywood, they get by Miami. And you know what? I, they match up well they, against the Lakers. They were close enough to the Lakers to make it a series. They really were. You know, it just. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. I, 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 this, this season screwed up. It just screwed up. I like, they, they're not allowed to leave, leave hotel rooms. They can't go out. You know, they're losing guys to COVID. It's, they're not it's playing in front of crowds. You see it. You see it. I mean, there isn't a Doc Rivers out there to replace Brad, so it's a stupid argument. But you see, just Philly had that shit show of a coach all those years. <laughs> it's like, it really, I think Doc has shown just like how awful that coach was, Brett Brown. Yeah, um, they have a better roster too, though. Well, yeah, I think the year, the, the even rookie year when we beat Philly, that was a talented roster. Yeah, it was. It was, but it, it had it had significant holes. I mean, what was fun about from a Celtics fan? I, maybe you forget, but um, they had the two Europeans, uh, Ilsova and Marco Bellinelli. And, and it was all, 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 all Stevens did was like, Run, run screens and just hunt them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Was, and they, and Philly couldn't get stops ever. And it was, it was just so much fun watching. It was like, okay, who's going after Marco this time? <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, this, this, this Philly team is, um, is just, there's, they're, they're more talented. Uh, they have more, much more shooting. Tobias Harris is in a better fit for him with Horford gone, I think, on that team now. And Doc um, and Doc's the right guy. The one thing I wonder about the Celtics too this year, with them being so young, Tatum and Brown, how much is not having crowds hurt them? If you're a veteran team, do you just kind of get through that? You're Chris Paul, does it even matter? But if you're a young guy, does it make a difference? I, I, maybe it doesn't. I'm just wondering on that too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, have they played well at home? Though, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's possible. I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of factors, Jim. They, their roster sucked to start yeah. the year. That's that's the main factor. They, they they've been killed by they've been killed by COVID. They've had a lot of injuries. Kemba Walker is a shell of himself. Uh, Marcus Smart went down for weeks. Um, it seems like every time they get their roster back, somebody's out. You know, they make a trade for Fournier now. Who the he's fuck out. knows when he's going to play? Um, it's just been one of those seasons, and I think nope. that's you know that we'll never know their full potential. I don't think the, we'll the, the Walker things would kill it too because if you look at the top teams in the East, their third player is just so much better than the Celtics' third player. The drop off from Brown and Tatum to whoever number three is on the Celtics and whether you, you want to say it's Walker, Smart, or Williams, I mean, whoever. Hey, the the, 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 the drop-off is huge. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you don't even bring up friggin' Brooklyn. But yeah. if you look at Philly, I mean, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons are so much better than Walker. If you look at Milwaukee, Darren Collison, not Darren no, Collison. Holiday. Holiday is so much better than Walker. I always do that with those two. It's so much better than Walker. Um, yeah, or smart. Close. It's yeah. not close. Yeah. It really, it's a huge drop right now. And it's the biggest difference between them. It is the difference between them being a pretty good team that can make the four seed or a team that could contend in the East. Yeah. I ask you a question. If they don't get the four seed, and I don't know where Milwaukee is in the standings right now, but don't you want to take a shot against them? Sure. If you have to. Because yeah. as a team that could just choke it away. Yeah, I I, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just think um, any of those top three, I, I, that would be the team you have the best shot against. Milwaukee better hope they don't play Miami in the first. But if round. Giannis's knee is healthy against the Celtics, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Celtics really. Do. I hear you. I yeah. just think there's a lot of there's a bit of like. I don't know. They just seem like a loser team. I'm not sold on Milwaukee. Uh, I think for them, yeah. it's the coach. That that coach has got to go. I yeah, you might be right there. Season champion, that guy. Um, I got to tell you what, if Milwaukee ends up playing Miami in the first round, I might put my money on Miami if I was a betting man. Yeah, Milwaukee they're, going, they're, they're those three games that Milwaukee goes into Miami and there's a crowd, you think they have a shot to win any of those games? That'd be interesting. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that. I do agree. I, I do think Drew Holiday is a huge pickup. I just think he's a tough. He is. He, he, they did not have anyone like him last year, and I think when the going gets tough in these playoff games, he's going to be the guy that makes big play after big play, whether it's a steal or a charge or a three-pointer or, you know, facilitates. He's just, I feel like for them, he's going to be in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't have a guy, they let the guy go that could do that before in Brogdon, but he's better than Brogdon. So. Oh, yeah, he's better than Brogdon. He's yeah. a lot better than Eric Bledsoe. Oh, that's not even close. That's not even close. Yeah. And they got Jeff Teague, so. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, playoff Teague. Um, all right, so 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Celtics. Yeah, I'm probably not going to watch. But... I will. Celtics Trailblazers, hopefully, uh, hopefully hey, they keep this thing Celtics rolling. to win, but I need Ennis Cantor to get 30 rebounds again. And then after the press conference, say I dedicate this game to Jim Quigley. Yeah, yeah. Um, My biggest fan. Yeah, he's, a, he, he's in the right place for him. <laughs> A team that doesn't give a shit about defense. He's <laughs> absolutely in the right place. So, all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And um, go Celtics. All right.